Good evening and welcome to the Art and Science Punks podcast, where two lifelong learners talk about art, science, engineering, technology, and how we make that work in our day-to-day lives. I'm one of your punks, Kate Stenzinger, and with me tonight and every night is my amazing punk partner. Hi, I am Rob Stenzinger. Tonight, tonight we are going to talk about race cars and passion projects. Really? Okay. Say that 10 times fast. Race cars and passion projects. Oh, nice. So let's get started. Let's start tonight with race cars. Okay. Who's your favorite NASCAR driver? Uh, <laughs> hmm. And the return of the it, surprise uh, wait, question. Wait, wait, wait. They, hold on. There was a song once. Uh, they talked about this driver, the Jerry. Jerry was a race car driver. Jerry <laughs> was a race car he, driver. He, he drove so blank, blank fast. Never do a checkered flag, but he never did come in last. Yeah. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Thanks. You handled that well. I um, that might be some imaginary NASCAR, not the real stuff. So I'm I'm highly uninformed. Well, people can um, be sure and tweet at Rob Stenzinger and let him know uh, who the the NASCAR drivers are, and if Jerry was truly a NASCAR driver. Was Jerry a race car driver? <laughs> I don't know. Primus said it, he was. So actually, he or she, I. He never, no, they say he, okay, yeah. Okay. Fantastic. No, but what we're going to talk about um, from the race car angle is uh, the Pinewood Derby. Ah, uh, okay. And we had our first entree into the world of Pinewood Derby in the last week. And I wanted you to share a little bit about how that process went mm. from the creation through to the uh, winning and losing, as it were. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, the good the story is, it yeah, it, it's definitely about trying something and seeing how it turns out, and it doesn't always turn out like you thought it would. Yeah. And let's see. So Pinewood Derby. Yeah. How did we get involved probably, in the? I bet Pinewood. more. I don't know. Maybe other. Maybe some folks don't know about Pinewood Derby like I don't know about NASCAR, <laughs> and um, I do not know the. I'm not the Wikipedia of the Pinewood Derby. But what I understand is, is that it, this is an event that came out of um, something. I, I imagine it's it's kind of like an applied science sort of thing in the Boy Scouts, right? The Boy Scouts of America, which um, I know a lot of folks who are Boy Scouts and and who support that organization. But but I don't. Uh, I I can't speak hi- highly informed on that either. But what I what I understand is, so Pinewood Derby is you you assemble a car to a very you know, certain set specific set of specifications where it has to only weigh like up to five ounces, which is 141 grams. And it has to be of a certain size so it can fit on this, this track. And basically it's through essentially gravity and kinetic energy. These cars race from a ramp to a long straightaway. And depending on how, you know, how they lose or maintain their energy, you'll you'll win or lose the race and so the you know the idea and the tracks are pretty specific right the tracks oh, yeah. are are standardized maybe is the word i should say it would seem so um the, the one thing that seemed different is uh when i when i looked at youtube videos of uh people racing pinewood derby and also this is a topic like i don't know if you have any topics like this where you've heard about it your whole life or a giant portion of your life and kind of feel like you know what what it might be about but then when you say when you realize oh we're going to partake in one 
and then you see like, wow, wait a minute, this is way, way more in depth than I, than I realized. So you could really, one could work on a Pinewood Derby car like someone designs a spaceship, like to literally go into space if you wanted to take it that seriously. Oh, absolutely. Some, some folks and, you know. Well, and you hear people talking parents, about kids, spending, families. you know, weeks working on it. My yeah. only experience with the Pinewood Derby is just hearing friends um, talk about it, um, again, from the Boy Scouts angle, right? Having kids and scouting. Mm-hmm. Um and doing the Pinewood Derby. Well, we got an opportunity um, to one, have... One okay. quick thing. I, I did want to mention that the different one difference I noticed is, is in the videos I watched that I saw oh. some tracks that were made of wood. And then because was this, it Pinewood? this happened to be an event, so, you know, my opinions are my own, what have you. Uh, this was sort of, sort of a special day at my employer, my, my day job, my primary professional commitment, that they were like, yep, bring your kid into work and we will... You know, we're doing, we're hosting a Pinewood Derby. Their track was made out of like aluminum, like this solid aluminum. Yeah. Kind of industrial track. Yeah. And it looked exactly, once it was all, all assembled, it looked exactly like the ones I saw, I saw on, on YouTube. But, um, I don't know if aluminum performs differently than the wood track or what have you, but. And they, and then the track, um had the ability to, to monitor, like, right, who won. Yeah, exactly. And I, I happened to witness the folks who were creating that mechanism to, to, to essentially determine who came in first, second, and third, because it was like a three-lane three, um, track. Sure. Yeah, and it, really cool process. So it's, it's, you know, your racers enter, and it's a computerized thing, and... um there uh it's sort of combination of human computer facilitated uh people get randomized and put into heats and then they they, they race and then the track detects who who you know who placed where they're given points and all this kind of stuff and you you essentially go through many heats right right but i suppose i probably should re- rewind yeah describe. let's back up to yeah. again so we had this opportunity through through your work to um have our our oldest participate in the pinewood derby mm-hmm. Um, so we ran to just like your local craft store and mm-hmm. wandered around and finally asked somebody, Hey, do you have Pinewood Derby stuff? And they're like, Oh, yep. And they had essentially kits, mm-hmm. right? Kits that we could put together. And, and on there, it indicated, you know, like you said, the five ounces or the 141 grams, um, you know, in different components. Yeah, and and uh, <coughs> it would have been neat if they would label it clearly. If like, oh, this set of components equals roughly this weight. Oh yeah, that's right. We had no they idea. They did not commit to such things. So it's. I think that's part of the process where you you figure it out as yeah. you're as you're assembling and see how much how close you are or Make if you're your over stuff very aerodynamic. Mm-hmm. So we bought a couple kits and brought them home and spent a weekend um, assembling our derby cars. And. Uh, we let's see. We did get the graphite powder, and I think a combination of making sure we had our wheels on straight plus graphite powder helped us at least do okay in the race. And that was nice. Um, yeah. And so yeah. The first the first thing we did is we just took the main the wood block base, and we let the kids just go to town painting however mm-hmm. they wanted. Gave them you know paint and paintbrushes and said here you go because we needed to let it dry for um, overnight so that we could do the rest of the assembly. Um, 
And then I think you guys then took on assembling the wheels, which to me was, uh, I think, a trickier part of the assembly. I did not appreciate how fiddly that would be um, because it's, you know, it's not like we're without tools. We, we, we have tools to handle your, your general household, household maintenance, um, basic project things. But like, um, I think it would, that would have done well with sort of, um, an, I don't know, like a, a, a built to task little pedestal with, um, it's, that would allow you to support the car, but not bump into the wheels and yet pound in the wheels without, you know, having other stuff in the way. Yeah, well, and I think also one of the other challenges that um, you faced in, in getting the wheels assembled was having, you know, a two-year-old with a hammer, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. which always adds, you know, that that additional layer of complexity. I'm not sure that the, the cars were um, designed for two-year-old assembly, but um, yeah. you guys managed it. We were multitasking with, yeah, essentially... Um, and that's you know partially the the approach that we choose is to make sure that um, you know we're we're sharing the real tools to right. to do the job, and um, yeah, that was definitely uh, there. There was some some tense points in that in that process as far as where to put the hammer when you're done, and do you just kind of <laughs> toss it over your shoulder. Do you? Yeah, so we Drop got through it. On it. the cat. Yeah. So that was fine when we were done. Yeah. So, you, so we got yeah. the cars assembled and you added, you mentioned graphite powder. What's the graphite powder for? So you get the wheels on the car. The wheel, the, the cars are held on the, uh, the, the cars are held on the wheels. Sure. I suppose you could look at it like that. Um, there's, there are, there's these little nails. They look a lot like the nails you would hang up a, a piece of art on your wall. And maybe they're a little more thick and, uh, there are channels already built into the car. You pound that little sort of nail axle, which essentially you end up with four, um, one for e- one for each wheel. But then you get that on there sort of straight, or you, you could get it, you could get it at an angle where the wheel rubs against the car. And oh, to, sure. to me, that was a kind of a feedback loop where we would keep trying, not because I, I expect perfection out of the car, but I, I wanted to see her succeed. To, right, you know some level that I'm like, you know what? This is my first Pinewood Derby too. Pretty sure the wheel crammed against the side of the car at an angle. I don't think we're going to win. You don't think, you don't think that was going to be a winner. Yeah. So, and you know that even without watching NASCAR, that's true. Yes. I I am. Maybe I'm the NASCAR whisperer. It's just (laughs) in my heart and I, I understand it in just in my genetics. There you go. There you go. Who knows? I'm so untested in this you area. applied some graphite powder to, to make sure those wheels spun really well. <clears throat> yeah. So you, once you get them straight enough, you have a chance for they, they kind of spin, but they might go like so you spin a wheel like and, and then um, like spin, pick up a Hot Wheels car, pick up a, yeah. any kind of little yeah. car. It may have this little after it spins for a little bit and then it kind of vibrates really quickly and slows down. Like a little wind down sound. Yeah. And... It does that less with the graphic powder, the graphite powder. Nice. Mm-hmm. So tell us, how did it go? It was, it was, the, it was a roller coaster. the The event was well set up, and it was kind of neat to see the, you know, everyone's name on a screen, and you know, like yeah. the cars would run, and the cars had names. You had yeah. to name your car. Mm-hmm. What and, was the name of your car? Do you remember? Uh, well, our our um, our eldest named her car Snake Rider. Snake Rider. She had like these snakes and flames and and uh, decals that decal she had numbers, to yeah. And uh, Snake Rider did pretty well, 
and uh, first race took first. Nice. First first heat. But it was this up and down roller coaster of going from first to third to first to third and back and forth. So like first place to last place, depending on the heat. Yeah. And and so finally in in heat six, uh, took third again, and then we're... You're knocked out. We're knocked out. And so heat six is essentially just over the hump of being in the middle of the pack. So slightly, you know, as far as all the racers that day, we placed slightly above middle of the pack. Now, were you able to re-graphite powder between races or would that be um, against the rules? I think from what I observed, because I don't don't know for sure, it seemed like that wouldn't have been possible nor encouraged. So probably against the rules. Okay. Because essentially someone would be running the cars as soon as they hit the end back to their um, holding area and then, you know, getting ready for... For the next heat. Um, And um, was it all children that participated in the Pinewood Derby at your um, employer? Nope. Uh, there, there were, um, plenty, plenty of Some senior uh, level engineers with their senior, own. Yep. Yep. Turns out a couple of those folks took first. Nice. Second and third or whatever. <laughs> no, actually I think, uh, uh, first and third, second place was one of the, one of the young ones. Oh, good. Yeah. And in a really cute, amazingly improbable looking car that looked like a little dragon made out of paper mache and good intentions nice <laughs> and that darn car was pretty fast <laughs> that's awesome and yeah it did really well so what do you think our oldest learned from kind of her pinewood derby experience hmm that let's see well i i think she just assumed she'd win oh really oh funny i think she was like well i'm here i'm gonna win and that <laughs> it didn't pan out like that. No, it didn't pan out like that. Um, That's good for her. She was not. Um, I mean, good, good experience. Yeah, to have. a fantastic experience. Yeah. And people were super encouraging and were like, yeah, good job. And and uh, no matter what happened, but yet uh, like taking like literally never took second, always first and third. And then finally falling off, off the, the yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, out of the race. And that was sort of fairly ha- well handled big emotions given her age yeah. yeah not like you know kicking and frustrated and whatnot too but also not quite knowing what to do going like oh crap it's done <laughs> and what do I uh, do now yeah and then then she did her best trying to essentially assist with the rest of the race too nice yeah, to do you think car, it's something she'll want to do runner. again it seemed at the time yes mm mm-hmm. mhm after after she was you know interested in chatting about it again and because uh, before uh, for a, a little chunk of time she was only interested in seeing what happened next in the race and oh sure uh, I think she was pretty that happy with she was rooting for a different car at that point and also trying to be you know helping out nice so you know not the worst so it sounds like she was a good sport yeah pretty good sport fantastic yeah um would you do t- Pinewood Derby again would I. Uh, hmm. I think I would. I mean, it felt, I don't know, some tasks when they're totally new and, and, uh, I, I can build them up to be this alien level thing. Yeah. It's pretty not uh, in my ordinary day to day, but I think I understand now how to do it better. And yeah. so I'm, I'd totally be open to doing it again. I mean, we didn't sand the car or, mm. you know, I mean, any of that stuff. I think some of that is Pinewood Derby 
porn. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. But we could sand the car and make it more aerodynamic. Totally. Sand the floor, paint the fence. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, sounds like a cool exper- experiment, experience. Um, and we'll uh, check back in and see if there's more Pinewood Derby in our future. We'll see. We're not okay. like, okay, we're hitting the road. Now we must be Pinewood Derby Pokemon champion. So it sounds like it wasn't maybe a passion project for you. <laughs> no, no, it was not a, it was, it was one of those, um, this is a, an interesting activity and, and fun thing we do in yeah, the weekend. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was super fun. Because passion projects are a pretty different thing. They yeah. take a, um, you know, putting something at that level is, uh, uh, a fantastic next topic. Well, yeah. And I wanted to talk a little bit about passion projects tonight, um, from the standpoint of when you have a project that you start working on, get involved in, and all of a sudden, like, you know, time and space changes, <laughs> mm. um, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around a little bit. How does it happen and why does it happen? Um, I had an experience recently where, um, you know, I always am battling. I think we, we both do this. We have this kind of internal battle with time, right? I don't have time to work on X, Y, or Z. Um, and recently I started a, a sewing project. It was a very simple, um, little quilted laptop bag. Cause I have, um, a new laptop, new hand-me-down laptop, which is a fantastic <laughs> I love, I get, I get Rob's um, hand-me-downs and and it's fantastic, but I have this new laptop and I wanted a special kind of quilted bag to put it in. Mm -hmm. So I found, you know, um, online a a pattern that I liked and, um, had some fabric that I liked and and started sewing it and kind of couldn't put it down. And any free minute I had, I was, I was, you know, doing even just five minutes on, on trying to complete the laptop bag. And interestingly enough, when I completed it, it um, was a mess. It uh, didn't work out. Um, there were several problems with, um, I'll just say there were several problems with the design that I used, right? Hmm. So I used just a design off the internet. And um, I'm a fairly decent sewer. Is sewer the word? Hmm. I wouldn't call myself a seamstress. Yeah, that's it. that. That word seems uh, gender informed to too great of a degree. A sewing person. I'm a fairly decent sewing person. Soster. So soster. Soster. Not a sewer. Not a toaster. Not a toaster or a sewer. <laughs> uh, but but not good enough to know how pattern like to to create my own patterns. At least not yet. I just mm. for some reason it's like it's a spatial thing. Spatial awareness. Thing. Awareness thing. Um, Anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent. So point being, I finished it and the zipper didn't work. The bag was too small. There were parts of it that were um, just poorly designed the way they had kind of come up with some of the different pieces. But I was able to say, I know how to fix this. I know how to change it. Mm-hmm. Like, And I did some searching online to find find directions for how I wanted to do parts of it differently. So I ended up taking like two or three different patterns instructions and putting it together with this thing that I was making. And over the course of, I would say five days, I made the original and the revised case. Well, didn't you also fix a broken tool at, at, at yeah. in the same time frame? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
I'd forgotten about that. So also, so the, the solution I came up with, I needed to use a serger and I have a serger, but it was, I thought broken. And so I took that puppy and took it apart and kind of started fresh and got it to work. So, Still I'm not exactly sure how I got it to work, but it works now. I no, I'm pretty sure you can retrace your steps and 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 it makes sense. It's just um like a sewing machine to a serger, they are uh t- to me it seems like it's a lot more complicated machine. Different beast. It's a lot harder to troubleshoot and make sense of errors when they go wrong and how do you know, so how do yeah. you correct, you know, identify and correct them and whatnot. But then somehow you suddenly identified and corrected the error and used it to yes to to, to make, make the better laptop bag. Mm-hmm. So the whole point of that big long, probably boring story <laughs> is, I got into it was a passion project for me. Mm-hmm. Like I suddenly found the time and the space in my life to work on it. And I mean, we even had a sick kid in the middle of all of that. Uh-huh. So there was some of that balance going on as well of, um, you know, having to, to tend to that, a sick child. So, okay. Are you saying you, you stayed awake heroically to insane hours then? Where, where did this time come from? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Hmm. And that's what I mean by passion projects. And, you know, when you kind of get into that, that zone, mm-hmm. um, how does that happen? Because no, I didn't stay up super late. Um, I didn't, you know, ignore my family. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, exactly. The, the, everyone, um, we I might have ignored and... social media a little bit. Sure. Maybe I didn't read enough Facebook those five days, which probably means led to my greater mental health as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Um, which okay, so so the times probably came from somewhere. Things things that would normally fill the space without, yeah, necessarily getting a project done. But then, uh, yeah, I love this topic. I have um, definitely on another podcast uh, del- delved into this before. I'll try to link to that in the, in the show notes. Uh, sure. On the Lean Into Artcast, chatted with Jersey Droz about this, and uh, and honestly, Jersey keeps giving shout outs to our to this show. Um, oh, does he? Yeah, I'm leaning to Hey, which is, Jersey. Hey, Jersey. That's very kind and awesome. <laughs> uh, but let's see. So the distinction seems to be... Mm, so you, you mentioned uh, like that time passes really quickly, and you mentioned uh, what else? something else. Almost like these other barriers weren't... As blocking, yeah, barriers melted away, mm-hmm. and and I don't and I I don't have my head wrapped around why. I think part of it is as I was more sometimes when I have a project that's daunting, um, not even daunting. I just have a project. I feel like I need a big chunk of time. So you may have some expectations that are a, a feedback loop. Here's my hypothesis. Okay, that, like is it a difference between uh, building a skill? Versus using a skill you already have and how when you're building a skill, you can encounter um, sort of resistance through the additional effort and uh, deliberation that has to happen when they're inherently, as you're learning a thing, there's a lot of stuff blocking you. And then when that, that skill is already something you possess and you're, you can navigate a set of problems to get through that, this project is, 
to me, then you have this rewarding um, sort of internally motivated experience. Maybe, maybe it's flow, right? I know it's, people love to bring up flow. Yeah. Like people drop flow like a, like nothing. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know what I heard of? I heard of flow. flow. That's right. And, and it's, and it's when you don't have to think about the task as, as much and you can sort of disappear into it and you feel that what you're, um, you're less aware of the little bumps and things in the way, you're more naturally just continuing to put mm-hmm. effort forth and adapt and disappear into the task until time passes. And then that, I honestly think then if the outcome of that were only the skill building, you're, you'd, you might be like, well, I learned something, but what came out was something that I just don't know how to fix, but I'm glad I, I'm glad I did this. Sure, I'm getting better sure. at it versus I, uh, you know, either, you know, what came out you would, you is what you expected or what, what came out is what you feel capable and ready to continue to, um, change and improve. Yeah. Because I, you know, when I got done with the first one and it didn't work out, I wasn't, it, the whole thing was just, is it was a little bizarre to me because I wasn't super upset. I think I even remember, you know, running down and showing it to you and going, isn't this awesome, but it's broken and it doesn't work and the zipper wasn't, won't shut. And by the way, the laptop doesn't fit in here, (laughs) but I know exactly how I'm going to fix it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have to start over, but I know exactly how I'm going to fix it. And then when I did fix and I built the second one, I was able to take that first one, things I learned by doing the second one, take that first one and fix it a little bit mm-hmm. so now one of the kids has it <laughs> <laughs> and to me the the difference seems to be when when there's a lot more uh satisfaction and reward with the experience and the outcomes yeah versus uh i mean when you're learning it's hard like what do you do to keep learning to get to the point when you can actually experience flow flow also we should come back to at some point to just quickly give a high level a shout out yeah um the thing i'm i'm mulling around in my brain is even in doing i don't feel like there were skills that i already had right because i was using the serger which i'm really unfamiliar with mm-hmm. i mean i've fixed the darn thing um, but I haven't used it a ton because it was broken yeah and the broken was what I recall is is like so a, a serger has instead of just like one thread going through it and there's a bobbin and the one needle it's like there's two needles and there's four threads or yes. whatever it's what the that to me as an outsider it doesn't make sense but then somehow it brings them all together to do more complex um hold stuff better stitching things very nicely done and well i can make observations doesn't mean <laughs> i know what's going on uh inside the observations <laughs> and and then but but then when you had it open there was one of the arms that seemed to to have this um um it it could get in the way and cause i think the thread what to break. yes yeah. if you want me to 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 share so yes i i was unable to thread my machine properly um, and I believe what I figured out the problem was is that the lower looper thread was getting stuck on the over looper. 
Mm. And that was causing it to jam. Mm-hmm. And not like jam like music. like mm-hmm. Not like jam like music. Jam like, uh-oh. So back to flow and thinking yeah. about what you're saying is, you know, you've got the skill and you can really get lost in the project. But it, I didn't in this case. I was, and then there were pieces of it that I was completely, had never done before. So I'm just yeah. kind of toying around with, you know, was it flow or was it just a passion project? Just for some reason, well, this project grabbed me. You totally. In, in, yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe uh, at the, like, okay. So flow is a concept. It, uh, it was, um, it's a, essentially a theory brought out by um, this uh, psychology professor and researcher, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. And I believe it came out of the the eighties or maybe late eighties, early nineties at, mm-hmm. at the latest, uh, because he was doing a bunch of research to f- essentially in the area of uh, positive psychology, not 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 when things just go wrong, but right. um, I mean he he saw people survive incredibly difficult circumstances because he he came out of fleeing um, um, essentially Nazi Germany, and this. Uh, and various things in his life, he noticed that, well, how, how do people deal with, with difficulties and whatnot? Right. And, and what's it like when you're, um, and so he would, he would research stuff that's just not about when things went wrong. Right. Yeah. But also positive. Think, yeah. Positive, positive psychology. And, um, anyway, so flow is, is something that emerged from some research that he was doing. Did he also do performance research? I, I hear about yeah. some of this oftentimes with like athletes in there. Yeah. It was definitely a part of that okay. where, he was, um, but he would interview like anyone, like from athletes to janitors to, to, you know, yeah. what, it, what is the experience of, um, what, what's the, what does it feel like to be at your optimal best? Like what, what's that like? And, um, he, and, and he explored it. And so that he describes it in flow. It's, and, and the poetic way to say is like, that's the experience of flow is when the dancer becomes the dance. And when, you no longer are, uh, but the reason you can do that is because you have built up the skills and also you put yourself in the situation where you're really engaged in a task that you don't know if you're going to totally solve it because you have to apply your skills in order ah. to get through it. And it's not like a guarantee in a, in a simple slam dunk. Okay. So then, yeah, then I would say, yes, I, I got flow. It's being pretty darn engaged in the, in the task. Yeah. Cause I, was giggly and had no idea if what I thought was going to be the solution was going to work. I think you were being put to the test and it's, and there's, there's a good chance that yeah. that was a lot, a very flow like situation. That's a great explanation. Thank you. That I, I, I clearly I've not read the book. <laughs> so, um, that, that helps a lot. That explanation. Yeah. I mean, I hear about flow, right? You hear about it. In exactly. And for me, I, I encountered it in, uh, in the realm of game design and, yeah. and, uh, it seemed uh, worth it was funny this was already when audiobooks existed as digital downloads yeah but I could not find it it might exist as a digital download now but I ha- I actually had to buy the book with the CD included <laughs> <laughs> but honestly worth it because it's yeah. I mean so many people have referred to it and I, I did enjoy the um, uh, the experience of reading it too so. so when you're experiencing flow personally you mm-hmm. um, is it something or maybe he speaks to it in the book. I don't know. Is it something you know when it's happening or is it something that is after the fact you reflect back and say, I was so in a groove. 
do you know it in the moment? I think if you, I think it's probably likely now that flow is a, is a fairly widespread concept uh, yeah. that you may know this right. during, during the act because you, you put yourselves in situations and you know of this concept and you might notice this concept in the situation, yeah. but, but I don't think it's re- required at all, of course. And yeah, I, I think that happens to me in my day to day work. But there's some times where I'm like, I know I'm in a groove. I'm like, oh, yeah, in a groove, in I'm the in zone. Time just flew all this stuff. I mean, people have language for it. Yeah. And all right. Then we had uh, uh, we've we've explored two topics. And I, I know that we've got a couple of picks, right? Oh, that's right. We do. We got picks tonight. Right on. You want me to start? I would love it if you would start. I have with... a science pick tonight. Yeah. Um, I have a silly science pick. I'm sure that's shocking. Um, I have a silly science pick tonight, and my pick tonight is snow dough. Snow dough. Snow dough. So snow dough. <laughs> Should I just leave it there? There yeah, you go, okay. everyone. Snow dough. No, you can, yeah, mic drop. <laughs> no, so snow dough is a... Um, type of play-doh or moldable dough that you can make and it's white and you can make it so it's cold and then you tell your children that it's snow dough and so you can sit inside and play with snow dough oh either in the winter time or heck in the middle of summer so to make snow dough you have a bottle of um inexpensive lotion that you put in the freezer actually no i made snow dough now yeah i know Yep. So actually the the lotion I put in the refrigerator mm-hmm. and then cornstarch, just a, a plastic box of cornstarch, mm-hmm. um, stuck it in the freezer overnight. Hmm. And then you dump the cornstarch into a bowl and you add lotion until you get to the consistency you want. Um, some people add glitter and maybe hmm. a little peppermint just to oh, have, wow. you know, have a, a real full sensory experience. That would be full sensory, and someone's eating snow dough at that point. You put peppermint in it, so I don't think that lotion would taste very good. I yep, I don't think it's a good idea. <laughs> I just know that that, is, that I could might happen. keep that in mind. Yeah, I might say, hey, maybe our recipe. Let's skip the peppermint. Skip the peppermint. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it's kind of a fun one, uh, and it's nice because you know it's very hands-on and the um, tactile. And then oh, yeah. you know you can make. Get in there, make a mess. Yep. Build some stuff. Build some, you know, snow people. Cool. Snow houses, igloos. Mm-hmm. And and I uh, I do recall that this this experiment happening this this yeah. and it, and it it was a hit. It was a big hit. Yeah. A little messy, but a big hit. <laughs> Honestly, what what, what was art cool? projects aren't a little messy? <laughs> what was cool is, you know, in the wintertime, sometimes the kids, they get a little dry skin, you know, uh, especially the little <laughs> one. She gets a little eczema <laughs> on her hands. Uh-huh. She's good for a couple of days. Nice. Yeah. Can heal up your hands, build some snow snow people. Yeah. All right. Snow dough. That's a All right. Pick. What do you got for your art pick tonight? So my art pick is a game and it happens to be a game that you can make stuff in. Make art. Which actually happen to be games. Which games are art? Um, True. Which is a subjective thing that I've declared is my that's my position. So, indie I ga- accept that position. <laughs> awesome, excellent. <laughs> Do I get funding? So, um, <laughs> indie game sim by Matt Hackett of Lost Decade Games. It, it's a game that it's it tells a bit of a, a bit of a story. 
and sets you up to make games and publish these games in sort of a simulated world like like you would go through on uh, being an indie game developer and you you build something and you you need to put it into maybe maybe an app store it's not the only place you you could yeah. go of course but yeah. like this game has has picked uh, a, an app store that's a lot like um, Steam in a way it's not literally Steam which is you know by Valve software yeah and um what you do is you you are playing your games you can customize them and and you know there it's 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 a two-dimensional world sort of thing where you can make um like make a smaller grid of a game and a bigger grid of a game and you kind of unlock this stuff as you go you unlock um different uh, obstacles and enemies and power-ups and and different mechanisms that allow you to co- to compose uh, more and more complex and diverse sorts of games and some of some of the things Neat. are aesthetic and and in and just sort of pick like what what sort of avatar you're is is running through the level to get to, to the goal how difficult is it to learn this game it's really easy it's like drag and drop there's you have sort of a um, a little palette, a little piece of the screen sure. that's got a bunch of supplies. You can drag and drop the supplies onto the the main you know game space. Then you can play it. And but you do it. tell give it direction, give it instruction as far as like, do am I going to run and jump? Am I going to? Mm-hmm. So it's there. There are a few things that are assumed that essentially the, a bit of running and jumping. That's that's what it's about. It's, a, oh, it's okay. a, essentially a side scroller make game making game cool okay i get it yeah and with that conceit in mind you've got basic things like so gravity being a character on a screen moving around jumping avoiding obstacles can i make my own art to put into the game i don't think that's that's um it might be hackable but that's not like a main like okay afford so it's more in, to get you like quickly making your own creation using these tools very quickly. using the toolbox that's there and you are not literally not just publishing it to to this fantasy version of steam right you can um which is it, it's cool like so when you do that there's uh you know these play it's simulating being a game developer in that cool. situation so that you get reviews on your game and oh, you get nice. a ra- you get ratings and, and how much do you earn in sales and that helps you uh, buy new stuff to put in your next game. Oh, that's a really cool construct. I like that a lot. Oh yeah. And you can share your actual game via a link. So you, you can essentially get a um, cut and paste a hyperlink into send it to your friends, whatever. And yeah. And all of a sudden you know, now your friends can play the level level you made. So it's not just a game to pretend to make games and you enjoy the games you make. You can actually share them too. That's which awesome. Which means you I literally make games. Right. Yeah. I, That's awesome. I love it. It's pretty, pretty awesome. An amazing uh, app and, and uh, game experience. So that was my pick. I like it. What a great pick. All right. Well, that wraps us up for today. We are the Art and Science Punks, coming to you each week with stories of art, science, creativity, and oftentimes struggles and even successes of balancing our personal passions with work and family. Art and Science Punks has a blog at artandsciencepunks.com. And on Twitter, we are Art Science Punks. You can find our podcast feed at artsciencepunks.fireside.fm or on iTunes, where we would appreciate your five-star rating. 
Thanks. And you can tweet me at Kate Stenzinger on Twitter. And I am Rob Stenzinger on Twitter. Go NASCAR. Jerry was a racer driver. (laughs) 